From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, you're tuned to Earth Eats, and I'm your host, Kate Young. This week on the show, we share two recipes for the winter holidays, or any time really, and we visit the Bloomington Winter Farmer's Market in its fresh new location. That's all coming up on Earth Eats, so stay with us. Holiday baking is a tradition in my family. My mom always baked several kinds of cookies and prepared a batch of peanut brittle before Christmas. Then we'd arrange them on gift plates for neighbors and friends. I've carried on the tradition, adding savory roasted nuts and granola to the mix of sweets. Since I'm making many different goodies in a short time span, I appreciate a recipe that comes together quickly. This chocolate truffle recipe fits the bill and comes from another family member, my brother-in-law, Eric Pearson. Eric lives in Paintlick, Kentucky, near Berea. He teaches philosophy at Berea College. Eric is a great cook. He's always exploring new recipes and cookbooks. He's known for hosting elaborate dinner parties, and he's dabbled in molecular gastronomy with his son, Clem. But today he's sharing something decidedly uncomplicated. The recipe is called Daily Dose Extra Strength Truffles. Here's Eric. I've got uh, a couple tablespoons of cold butter here that I want to chop up into little pieces. We need eight ounces of chocolate, and typically I get it in, uh, this is dark chocolate, I usually get it in bars and chop it up, but today I have it in handy uh, dark chocolate chunks, 72% already uh, chopped up. Now, you can use any chocolate you want, any dark chocolate you want, and the only other thing we're going to use is cream, and then at the end we're going to dust it with cocoa powder. So the first thing I'm going to do is put 10 ounces of my chocolate chunks into a bowl. And then add the butter. And now we take a couple cup of cream out of the uh, refrigerator. Here it is. And we're going to put that on a small pot on the stove over low heat. We're going to heat it up, but of course you don't want it to boil just to where it gets steam coming off it. If anybody has warmed up cream on the range top, you know that uh, you probably want to stir it pretty much constantly. If you don't do that, a film forms on the top of the cream, which doesn't help anything. And this will take a few minutes. So where does this recipe come from? I found this recipe just in the food section of a local newspaper in the Lexington, Kentucky Herald Leader. And I don't think that the author of that credited it to anywhere else. The author um, said that this was the, the best thing for the hassled mother of two. Uh-huh. So recommended them as a medical intervention in the middle of the day. So the cream is just heating until we see the steam coming off of it? Exactly right. And that's just hot enough to melt the chocolate and the butter. And there's the, there's the steam. So turn off the burner and pour the cream over the chocolate and butter. Take a whisk and just whisk until all of that is melted into one mass. 
I've whisked that until it is smooth, and that's all. And now I'm going to pour it into a prepared loaf pan. I like a loaf pan with as straight a sides as you can get. And then you want a piece of plastic wrap, large enough so there's be enough to uh, go over the tops. Eric lines the loaf pan with the plastic wrap. And now I am pouring the melted chocolate mixture into the prepared loaf pan. If you can't get it all out, there's enough for the kids to lick the bowl. Now fold over the excess plastic wrap and we will refrigerate until set several hours. Before you take the set chocolate mixture out of the fridge, dust a cutting board with a generous amount of cocoa powder. So the uh, truffles have been in the refrigerator for about eight hours. So take them out with the plastic in one big uh, piece, unwrap the plastic. And place your slab of chocolatey goodness onto the layer of cocoa powder on your cutting board. Now we're gonna cut these into uh, 32 pieces. But first we wanna top it with the cocoa powder and smooth it out all over it. And when we cut it up, we're going to have cocoa powder on. We want to powder all six sides of each cube. I recommend making one cut down the center and then dividing each half into four equal pieces. So you end up with 32 more or less evenly sized cubes. These are pretty big truffles, so you could cut them smaller if you like. And now what you do, you pick each one up and you dust it in the remaining uh, cocoa powder and then you put them back in the loaf pan in layers. I use wax paper between the layers. You'll want to keep these in the fridge until you're ready to serve them. They'll get too soft at room temperature. I can't get over how simple these are to make and how elegant they end up looking with that matte dusting of cocoa powder. And these truffles are delicious with a deep flavor and creamy texture and definitely not too sweet. They're perfect. Well, thank you very much, Eric. You are welcome. Of course, you'll find this recipe and many others on our website, eartheats.org. Production support comes from Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent providing customized financial services for individuals, businesses, and disabled adults, including tax planning, bill paying, and estate services. More at personalfinancialservices.net. Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio. Architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at GriffeyCreek.studio. And insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance. Offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at 812-336-6838. Though the temperatures have dropped here in southern Indiana, it doesn't mean we have to stop eating local food. We're lucky to have a thriving winter farmer's market here in Bloomington. And since this one is privately run, it's managed to avoid the controversy that the city-run summer market faced this year. Schooner Creek Farm, the vendor associated with the American Identity Movement and whose presence sparked protest, will not be selling at the winter market. But there is big news this year. The winter market has moved to a new location. No longer tucked inside the gymnasium at Harmony School, the market has moved south. 
Switchyard Park, the new city park on the B Line south of Grimes, isn't 100% finished yet, but the spacious indoor pavilion is complete and open for business every Saturday from 9 to 12:30 with the Winter Farmers Market. Earth Eats was there on opening day, and I checked in with vendors and customers for this audio postcard. My first stop was Blue Hour Farm, and I spoke with Grant Pershing. What have you got for sale today? Got spinach, pea shoots, sweet potatoes, garlic, arugula, carrots, kamatsuna, napa cabbage. Can you tell me a little bit about the ferments? What are the different ones you have? I've got uh, kimchi, garlic dill kraut, beet kraut, curry kraut, pickled green beans, pickled jalapeno rings, hollow sauce, and uh, sambal, which are two hot sauces. What do you think about the new location so far? I think it looks, uh, it's great, yeah. Lots of natural light, large aisleways for people to move. I'm excited, yeah. All right, well thanks. I'll, I'll Thank you. you Thank you. I'm Brandy Williams, owner of Primally Inspired Eats. All right, and uh, first day of the winter market, how are you feeling? Um, feeling really good. It's a new experience for us because we're here at the Switchyard Winter Market, but we're also set up at the East Side Farmer's Market inside the community room at Blooming Foods. So we're splitting our efforts for the first time ever, doing two Bloomington markets. So that's really interesting, but it's been really great too. So yeah. And what do you have today? Or well, it looks like you have a lot, so you don't have to name everything. We do but. have a lot. So we, of course, are an exclusively gluten-free bakery slash sort of grain-free, paleo-keto-friendly bakery. So all of our items are completely gluten-free, but our pastries are completely grain-free too. And we've got the breads and yeah, cake, pies, blondies, cookies, about anything you could want. That sounds very challenging. It, it is, but it's very rewarding too when you can really nail it and provide your customers with a nutrient-dense item that also tastes pretty delicious and luxurious too. So, yeah. Has it been pretty good business so far? It has. It's been really consistent, and we've gotten to see a lot of faces we hadn't seen for a while. So, yeah, there's a great crowd. I heard somebody say the parking lot was full, so I think it's a good first Saturday for the Swiss Chard Winter Market. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, I'm Stephanie Smith. I'm here tabling with an organization, Farm to Family Fund. We raise money throughout the year so that we can buy produce at the end of the farmer's market, the winter farmer's market, and donate it to the Rise, the Community Kitchen, and Mother Hubbard's Cupboard. And so it looks like you have some gift cards. Yeah, we have gift cards, and people that donate take one or two cards and give um, their donation to a loved one at Christmas or the holidays. Um, so it's like, it's like you're donating on behalf of on that be person. Yeah, on behalf of that person. It's, people are excited about it, and it's pretty easy. We, we raise about six to 10000 a year, and then we're matched two to one to that. So an anonymous uh, family foundation that matches us two to one. Uh, what do you think of the new space? It's beautiful. I love the light and the windows. I thought it was going to be freezing. It's not. That's really nice. Seems like there's a lot of people here. The seems like people are pretty busy selling a lot, so I'm hoping it's gonna work out for everybody. Feel like it's at least as busy as it was at Harmony, where people were more packed in. It's just really nice here, crowded, beautiful. Yeah.
Well, thank you so much for talking with thank me. Thank you for being here. Colleen Rose, I'm a customer. And uh, what do you think of the new space? I love it. It's amazing. It's spacious. I feel like I'm in a big city or something, but we're just kind of here in our backyard. So, uh, What about you? Will Rose. I love the new space. I love the light in it and how big it is. I hope that it's this full every Saturday. Uh, what did you guys get today? We got broccoli and a green pepper and coffee and a tamale and someone randomly gifted us a glorious large coffee cake. And what did you get? I've got a ham hock here, but I think I'm most excited that I met someone who was willing to volunteer in my classroom to tutor a student in math. So it's a community space and a shopping space. Uh, yeah, I think that's really exciting. I love that the tables are so big, you have to sit down with someone you don't know and have a conversation and make a connection. Thank you so much, both of you. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, no problem. Could you tell me your name? Amy, Amy Roche. What do you think about the new space? I think it's brilliant. I mean, it is terribly convenient for me because I just live a few blocks away. So I like the walkability. It's more spacious and it's teeming with people. It's thriving already on the first day. It's a good sign. Um, have you been going to the other markets this summer, like the one on the east side and the one downtown? Yeah, I, I attended both of them. Yeah, just trying to support all the vendors. What'd you get today? I got some really lovely, oh, I'm not going to say it right, Komatsuna, burgundy and green-leafed. I'm excited to have that with some Italian oyster mushrooms. Got Please. some no spray yep. wine sap apples. Going home to bake a pie for a friend. Some really tender, juicy carrots for me and for my dog. True confessions. <laughs> and what else did I get? Broccoli and collards. Wow, yeah. lucky dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Pete Kilroy. What do you think of the new space? I think it's a wonderful space. That's mostly why I came, just to check out the, um, the facilities. Yeah, I didn't go you to the old... Do you love coming to the market? <laughs> I, well, I experience market stress, um, which is a term that I invented just now, but um, it's a little... Um, you know, what? it can be overwhelming. What is stressful about it? Just oh, just, you know, um, a lot of people, that's all. But it's, a, that's, it's, 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 it's most people would probably not agree with me. They would enjoy that aspect. Yeah. But I, yeah... Well, it's great that you came anyway. Thank you. What are you going to get? I'm going to get a kolache from Sweet Claire's if they're here, and then maybe some bread. I usually get some bread here from um, Money Forks. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. My name is Theodore Tolliver, uh, a.k.a. Theo. Uh, I work for Osteria Rago. I've been there since we opened, and uh, we make all of our pasta fresh. I, I actually make it all. <laughs> Is this the first time you've been selling at the farmer's market? No, we was here uh, last year for the winter's farmer's market. Okay. And so what do you have for sale here at the market? So we have our fresh pasta. We have uh, today, we have regular fettuccine. We have our uh, spinach fettuccine, which is a main attraction. We have capellini, which is commonly referred to as angel hair. We have spaghetti, five cheese ravioli, our house-made rapini, basil pesto, 
our house-made pomodoro sauce and our house-made ragu ragu sauce. We also have bucatini pasta as well. Okay. So you're a restaurant, right? Oh, yes. We make everything in-house. We make our pizza dough from scratch. We make our pastas from scratch, all of our sauces from scratch, our mozzarella cheese from scratch. So it's as authentic as it can get uh, on U.S. soil. And we're located at 419 East Kirkwood in the alley between Nick's English Hut and Runcible Spoon. It's tucked in the alleys as uh, most of the best restaurants in Italy. And the ambience of this restaurant is very, very nice. It's a really nice experience. So is that where the Blooming Foods used to be? Uh-huh, the old Blooming Foods building. We renovated it. We invested a lot into it. We invest a lot into the quality of our products that we serve. We buy locally from uh, a lot of the local farmers. So uh, yeah, we try to keep it very authentic and we try to support the local community here. Uh, what do you think about the new winter market space? I love it. I love the venue. I'm happy to see a big turnout today. I was uh, kind of speculating on whether uh, by being further away from downtown, if a lot of the locals was gonna come around and a lot of the normals was gonna come around, but I'm seeing a lot of faces that I seen last year, so pretty happy about it, I love it. Maybe it'll draw some people who didn't go to the other one. Yeah, exactly, because I think a lot of people was excited about it being at the Switchyard Park, and I think it's gonna draw a lot of people, like you said, that didn't come to Harmony. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful, this is a beautiful space. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have this attraction in Bloomington. It's very nice. And finally, before I left, I spoke with the winter market manager, Teresa Bertels. I own Heartland Family Farm and have been a vendor at the Bloomington Winter Farmers Market for 16 years now. And my official capacity here is market manager. How are you feeling about the new space and everything today? Oh, I think it's absolutely fabulous. Tons of of natural lighting and plenty of parking. And one of the most encouraging things is there are no stairs for vendors and customers alike. And I've had several customers who either have wheelchairs or scooters that are like, oh, I can finally come back to the winter market. It's easy access. Since this market is privately run, they have a different vendor selection process. This market is completely separate from the city. It is a privately board-run, non-profit market uh, run by farmers and prepared food vendors and a couple of uh, customer representatives. Vendors submit an application and are chosen by a selection committee. We may not accept duplicates of vendors simply because it is a smaller market than the summer market and just applying doesn't mean you're accepted. It, it is a selection process. So we're governed by a board of directors that make the decisions. It's a private market in a public venue. We've been at Harmony School and have just outgrown it, basically. So we've been looking for years to find a place that has no stairs, uh, centrally located, can accommodate a large number of people, and has accessible parking. And when the switchyard was in its development stage, we had several meetings with the city and they listened to the concerns that we had and they worked with us in designing this building. 
The new building has a LEED certification of silver, meaning its design has met high standards of sustainability and energy conservation. So it has radiant heating on the floor. Of course, it has all the natural lighting, all of the LED lights. Everything is just just really high quality. Yes, and we really appreciate that because Farmer's Market has particular needs that might be different than when you're using this space as a wedding venue or reunions or that sort of thing. There's electric in every column and also clear down the center. Then we have room for more tables in this venue. So we've got the big round tables where people can just sit and visit and enjoy community. If you have the desire and especially the commitment to eat local, having a winter farmer's market is just really important because otherwise there isn't a concentrated area where you can actually get local food, such as a farmer's market, you know. If, you, if it's not here, then your choices are very limited. But in having a winter market, it benefits the vendors in that a lot of vendors and farmers have put up hoop houses and other season extension properties to to encourage winter and early spring growing. So it works wonderful for customers and then farmers also don't have to go get a part-time job in the winter to try to uh, supplement their income. They can go ahead and farm in their hoop houses and, and sell to their friends and neighbors here at the market. We're first and foremost a farmer's market, so we have a lot of greens right now, broccoli, cauliflower, a lot of uh, winter storage vegetables, butternuts and sweet potatoes and potatoes and onions and dry beans. And uh, now we're also having a lot of Christmas decor, a lot of wreaths and centerpieces and not to mention your protein. A lot of meat here, lamb, pork, beef, cheese. We've got goat cheese. Every other week we will have twilight dairy. Every other week we have the salmon. We always call him the salmon guy, Josh the salmon guy. He'll be out front, he asks to be outside. I looked at him when he asked that. I said, you know, it's cold out there. And he gives me a sideways look and he says, yeah, but I work in Alaska. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you can handle this. <laughs> and then our prepared food vendors, we have such a diverse group of people. Muddy Fork is here, of course. The Pie Lady, Jesus from Cezanne. Of course, we have Bivi with tamales. Feast Cellar will be here every other week. We have some vendors that like to come every other week. They like to actually have a life on Saturday every other week. <laughs> So yes, yeah, just a wonderful mix of, of vendors, a lot of diversity. And then of course, Curtis has been playing our music this morning and we have musicians every week. The Bloomington Winter Farmers Market runs every Saturday from December through March, 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at the Switchyard Park Pavilion, 1601 South Rogers. Find more information on our website, eartheats.org. So much of my holiday baking traditions involves sweets. Cookies and candy, mostly. But for years, I've also included a granola recipe, and it's always a big hit. This is a very simple granola recipe. You can customize it to your taste. It makes a great gift around the holidays. 
Start by preheating your oven to 250 while you mix up your ingredients. The first ingredient is oats, rolled oats, and you definitely want the old-fashioned. You do not want to get the quick oats. You can also make this a gluten-free granola by making sure that the oats you purchase are 100% gluten-free. Some oats are not. So you want eight cups of rolled oats. The next ingredient is chopped nuts. You're gonna want a cup of chopped nuts and it can be whatever nuts you prefer. I, today I'm making it with pecan, but I often do it with almonds. And I, this is a rough chop. I really like to have nice big pieces of nuts in my granola. And you're gonna want one cup of chopped nuts. And then you just wanna mix those nuts in with the rolled oats. Now I mix up my oats and my nuts in one big baking sheet. Uh, sort of a roasting pan kind of thing. It's just a big metal pan. I mix it all up in there so that I don't even have to dirty a bowl. And then we're gonna mix up the oil and the maple syrup. So it's one half cup of maple syrup and one half cup of oil. I'm using a sunflower oil. I mix this all up in one two cup measuring cup and then two or three generous squirts of honey and then one half teaspoon of salt. This is also the time where you can add other seasonings if you prefer. Some people really like cinnamon or nutmeg or cloves or allspice or any kind of spices that you think would be interesting or desirable in your granola. You're gonna mix up that oil and syrup together in the honey and get it really thoroughly mixed and then you're gonna pour that directly over the oats and the nuts. You want the syrup and the oil mixture to fully coat all of the oats and the nuts. Once the oats and the nuts are fully coated in the syrup and oil mixture, then it's ready to go into the oven. You're gonna wanna kinda shake it down to an even layer and then put it in the oven. And once you get your pan in the oven, set your timer for 15 minutes. And once your 15 minutes are up, you're gonna take it out and stir it. Put it back in the oven for another 15 minutes. Do that until it's a nice golden brown. And once your granola turns a deep golden brown, should be done in about hour, hour and 15 minutes. And before it cools, you wanna add your dried fruit if you're gonna be adding any. So that would be your raisins or your currants or you can use dried cranberries, you could use chopped apricots, figs, whatever you prefer. I'll be using dried cranberries and I think even the cranberries are a little bit too big. So I usually chop them up a little bit before I add them. And just mix the dried fruit into the hot granola and you're done. Just let it cool and you can store it in jars or airtight containers. Fill up a pint jar, put a ribbon on it, and it's a great holiday gift. Hopefully there's enough left for you. I enjoy this granola for breakfast with a dollop of plain yogurt and fresh berries or homemade jam. The recipe is on our website, eartheats.org. The Earth Eats team includes Ayoban Binder, Chad Bouchard, Mark Chilla, Abraham Hill, Taylor Killo, Josephine McRobbie, Daniel Orr, the IU Food Institute, Harvest Public Media, and me, Renee Reed. 
Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young, and our executive producer is John Bailey. Special thanks this week to Eric Pearson, Grant Pershing, Brandy Williams, Stephanie Smith, Colleen and Will Rose, Amy Roche, Pete Kilroy, Theo Tolliver, Teresa Bertels, and everyone at the Bloomington Winter Farmers Market. Production support comes from insurance agent Dan Williamson of Bill Rush Insurance, offering comprehensive auto, business, and home coverage in affiliation with Pekin Insurance. Beyond the expected. More at 812-336-6838. Elizabeth Rue, enrolled agent with Personal Financial Services, assisting businesses and individuals with tax preparation and planning for over 15 years. More at personalfinancialservices.net. And Bill Brown at Griffey Creek Studio, architectural design and consulting for residential, commercial, and community projects. Sustainable, energy-positive, and resilient design for a rapidly changing world. Bill at griffeycreek.studio. 